I want you to imagine a scenario, common scenario, that you go to the doctor's office, and maybe that's a drag for some of you. Maybe some of you really love going to see the doctor. But you're in the doctor's office, and oftentimes you have to wait in the waiting room. And so you're sitting there, and, okay, what, what is there to read? And you look, and... I don't know, there's a National Geographic, and there's a sports, something around Sports Illustrated, uh, some kids' magazines, and there's a Bible there. So, okay, I'll, I'll read the Bible. So you pick up the Bible, and you start reading it. <clears throat> and then a neighbor of yours comes in, and they see you, and, uh, oh, they see you reading the Bible, and they say uh, something like, hey, I, I know you go to church. I... Just, I've been wondering, what do you believe? What do you believe about God? Or they ask something like, you know, how is your church different than mine? Or how is what you believe different than what I believe? Or why do you go to church? Or, you know, what is Christianity about? Depending on, you know, who they are, where they're coming from. And, you know, we have this term in our society, worst case scenario. This is more like a best case scenario where here it is on a silver platter, they're asking you about your faith. And I, I know that's a, it's, not a, it's not a common thing that happens, but it's not unrealistic because I have had situations like that that come up where someone basically throws it out there. Tell me, what, what do you believe? What would you say? Do you know what you would want to say? Do you know what you would want to share about kind of what is most important to you? Share about who God is, what he's done for you through Jesus Christ. There's many things that you could say. Um, there's many things that you could talk about. Uh, you could talk about your church, this church. You could talk about your experience. Uh, you could talk about how the socialists are ruining this country. You could talk about how bad the vaccine is or how good the vaccine is, depending on where you're coming from. And all these things that I just mentioned and a whole host of other things might, in certain contexts, be appropriate things to talk about, to share about. But if you wanted to share like the meat of what you believe, you wanted to share the essence of who you really are, which is, our, if we have a relationship with God, that is the essence of who we are. You know, what would, what would that be? What would the meat be of, of what you would share about what you believe or what God has done for you? It's not about the church. As great, as important as the church, it's not about Christianity as some kind of religion. That's not what you want to share when it comes to sharing about the heart of who you are, what God has done in your life. It's about what God has done through Jesus Christ. It's about God's love for us. Um, that's what the message is about today. Uh, and uh, what comes to my mind is 1 Peter 3.15. Um, if anyone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Hmm. So that's what we want to focus on today, explaining what our hope is as believers, as, as Christians. And I'm guessing that uh, we probably fall into one of three groups today. Uh, on the one end, there are those who are able to 
explain their faith, share their faith, and they're doing it on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, Adam comes to mind. I hear him, boom. He's so good at sharing with different groups of people, different types of people, sharing the gospel. At the other end, there'd be maybe uh, those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus. So you don't have a story like that to share. And then in the middle is probably most of us, which is um, we've trusted the Lord and we have a relationship with God, but we're not real comfortable or not real competent, don't feel competent in or confident in verbalizing, in sharing what God has done for us, in sharing the meat of the gospel, sharing what we believe. So, uh, as I mentioned, we're going we're gonna to focus on that this morning. But first, I want to share what this message, what this sermon is not. Uh, one of the things that it's not, it's not apologetics. And it's a fancy word for defending the faith or answering people's questions about Christianity. Uh, so, like, for instance, well, can we trust the Bible? Can we believe the Bible? That's an apologetics question. That's a very important topic, but that's not what this sermon is about. Another thing this is not about, it's not about how to share your personal testimony of how you came into a relationship with Jesus. It's essential. That's an essential topic. Maybe another time I would uh, address that, but that's not what we'll talk about today. This, uh, this sermon is not about how to engage people in spiritual conversations. Again, very important. Um, what kind of questions to ask people in order to get into a conversation uh, about spiritual things. There's a saying, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can put salt in his oats. So that's the idea of spiritual conversation, asking questions to get people thinking, to get them talking, get them sharing about themselves and where they're at. One other thing that this sermon is not about, it's not about the aspect of relying on the Holy Spirit as we're addressing the gospel with someone, as we're sharing with someone. Because that's an essential part. I can, and we will, we will talk about some basics today, but there's still the aspect of everyone is different. Everyone has different needs. I mean, we all have a need for God, but how we come to that, what we need to hear. And so as we're interacting with different people, yeah, you want to know what to say, but you need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And so that's a whole other topic that we won't get to today. Um, all four of these things I've just mentioned, they're vitally important and they're necessary. Um, but for today, we're going to focus on what at my organization, International Messengers, we call the guts of the gospel. Kind of the, the guts of it, the main, the basic. What do we need to share when we share the gospel? What is important for us to know and have in mind? So, so one other thing I want to mention that this sermon is not. The sermon is not a guilt trip. I would guess that just me bringing up the topic of sharing our faith, of witnessing, of sharing the gospel, that there are a sense of guilt with some of the, oh, I don't do that, I don't do that enough, I don't, I'm not, that, uh, um, if guilt trips were effective in this area of life, we would probably all be sharing our faith a lot more than we do. 
Um, but more important than a guilt trip, I think, is for us, each of us, to gain a clearer understanding of what it is that we believe and being able to share that with other people, working on that skill of, of being able to verbalize the guts of the gospel. Now, usually when I preach, I like to let the sermon unfold like a story as we're going through a scripture passage. But today, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what we're going to talk about, and then we'll talk about it. I'm going to share what you might have heard. It's something similar to the four spiritual laws. You've, have you heard this term, four spiritual laws? Okay. What we'll do is we'll go through each of these laws or these points, and with each point, I'll give you a couple scriptures that go along with that. Um, and then... Um, after that, I'll give you four words that I've found helpful for kind of summarizing, helping me remember those different points, and then we'll, we'll review the points again. I don't know if that sounds boring, but it's really good. It's good, <laughs> it's good for us to go through this. One more thing, this is kind of a long introduction, but one more, one more thing before we get into these four points uh, is that I mentioned the four spiritual laws. The four spiritual laws is not something magical, Okay, I just say these things, boom, and the person's going to fall down on their knees and turn their life to Jesus Christ. No, it's a tool, and you might have a different system, or you might just have a different way that you share the gospel with someone, that you think about, great, this is just I want something that I want to offer, we want to offer you, that hopefully will help you in understanding and being able to, to share it with people. Uh, one author that I came across, he said this, evangelism isn't about saying everything, and it's not about saying it eloquently, but about saying enough. So the first point is something like this. God loves you, and I'm sorry, that's a small text. I should have made it bigger for today. God loves you and created you for relationship with himself. God loves you and created you for relationship with himself. First scripture to go along with that, something you might be thinking, is John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I'm giving you some scriptures. Um, if, you're, if you're talking with someone, and you know, I'm, uh, we'll share the, the four points, but if you've got scriptures along with that, and if you've got a Bible that you can show people, oh, this is what the Bible says, uh, then it's obvious it's not just your opinion. These were things that were written 2,000 years ago. Some things were written 3,000 years ago. So, um, John 3.16 again, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I'm, the scriptures that I'm using for this message are from the New Living Translation, not the New King James or the King James I know we normally use here. New Living Translation, if you're not familiar with it, um, I won't say that it dumbs things down, but it makes things simple. 
it's a lot of my seminary professors were involved in the translation. I think it's a very good translation. It's what we use in International Messengers. International Messengers, a big part of what we do, I could go on for that on that for a long bit, but we do evangelistic English camps in other places around the world. In other words, people want to learn English. We go there, we um, teach them English, but we use the Bible in teaching them English. And the translation we use is the New Living Translation. It's, it's easier to understand, especially for non, non-native English speakers, but it's also you know, simpler for, for anyone here to use as well. Anyway, so that's the first scripture, John 3.16. Next one is John 1.12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So that's the first point. Uh, We could say that's the good news. God loves you and created you for relationship with himself. So there's good news and there's bad news. You've heard some of those good news, bad news jokes, like uh, the the, uh, army unit that had been out there in the in the trenches for a long time, and finally their commanding officer comes and says, I've got good news and bad news. Uh, good news is, today, change of underwear. You get a change of underwear. Bad news, you change with you, you change with you. <laughs> when we think about uh, the, the gospel, uh, how to share it, there's good news, and then there's the bad news. We start with the good news that God loves you, bad news, uh, the problem with it is that, number two, we as human beings sin. We rebel against God, and our sin separates us from God both now and for eternity. I'll repeat that. We as human beings sin, we rebel against God, and our sin separates us from God both now and for eternity. So the good news, God loves us. Bad news, we screwed that up. We have, in a sense, either passively or actively, we rebel against God's authority in our life. We don't, I don't want to be ruled by anyone else. I'm going to do things my way. I know better. This is rebellion against God. This is what we do as people. So good news, bad news. A couple scriptures. <clears throat> Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And then Romans 6.23, the first part of that verse, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Wages. It's what we earn. It's what we deserve. We all sin, and the result of sin, sin, it breaks that relationship. It, it puts a wall between us and God. And the result of our sin, going back to Adam and Eve, they died after they sinned. Spiritually, they died. Their relationship with God was cut. That's what happens with our, we die here, even though we're still physically living, we die, we're separated from God, and then physically we will die and be separated from God forever. So, good news, God loves us. Bad news, we've rebelled against him. But there's good news, again. The third point, good news, that God in his great love, he's made a way for us to be reconciled and to have fellowship with him. The third point, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could have relationship with God. Again, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and to pay the penalty for our sin 
so that we could have relationship with God. 1st scripture there is Romans 5 verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You know, part of what sets Christian faith apart from all other religions, you could say it's in two letters, two letters that separates Christian faith from all other religions. All other religions are about what you do, D-O, do. I got to do this. I got to, you know, attain this state. I have to uh, please or placate the God, whether it's Allah or some other God. I have to get myself into this state. I have to be, live a certain way so that I'm reincarnated. I come back a better life. I have to keep improving myself over a series of lives. Whatever it is, it's about what I do. With the Christian faith, with the Bible, it's not about do, it's about done, D-O-N-E. It's about what God did for us before we could do anything to placate him or to please him. Okay, the next scripture, Romans 3, uh, 3.25. The first part of the verse says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. God sent Jesus to die for us, to die for our sin, to pay the penalty so that we don't have to pay that penalty. These are essential things to know that I'm sharing, and most of you know these already, but it's not enough just to know these things. The fourth point, to have that relationship with God, you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ to take away your sins. To have that relationship with God, you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ to take away your sins. Romans 3.25, second half of the verse says, People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And then also in Romans chapter 3, Verse 22, the first, first part of verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's not enough just to know facts. You know, James, the, the demons know the facts. That doesn't help them at all. What's necessary is for us to place our trust. God, I, I believe you. I repent. I turn. I turn to you. I want you to rule my life. I want you to forgive my sins. I place my trust in you. And, that's, and placing our trust in him means uh, two things, I guess. Turning from our sin, which is called repenting, and turning to Jesus Christ to take our sins away and take control of our life. Now, there are words, and even some of the scriptures we've looked at, words like believe and faith, and these are biblical words, and these are good words. But sometimes if I'm wanting to share with someone, I'll put it in terms of placing my trust in. 
use a phrase like this, trusting in Jesus, placing my trust, because it has the idea of depending. We can use words like believing. Well, I believe it's going to get warm today. Okay, it might, it might not. I might believe that. We use that, in other words, we use that term believe, kind of a synonym for think. I think this is going to happen, or I hope it's going to happen. Uh, so believe and faith, these are biblical words, yeah, but sometimes I'll, I'll prefer a phrase like trust, putting my trust, my dependence on God. So these are the four laws. Laws. Uh, for me, it's helpful to remember them with four words. And you might, uh, you might have some other way of doing this. I just shared good news, bad news, good news. Maybe that's a way for you to, to think about it. A friend of mine, he thinks in terms of dead Love, trust. So we're dead in our sin. Um, God loves us so much. He sent Jesus to, to take our place on the cross. And what's needed is for us to trust God for what he's, from what he's done. But the four words I have that are helpful for me, um, the first one, God loves you and created you for, your, for relationship with himself, God. So, I'll just run through. God, man, or human beings, um, Christ, you. That's how I remember. God, man, Christ, you. For me, that simplifies things. If I get in a conversation, I can, okay, well, God loves you. Man, well, uh, man screwed it up. Man has sinned against God. Christ, God sent Christ to pay the penalty for our for us, so that we could have a relationship with God and trust uh, you. It's not just this thing that God did. It's up to you as an individual. Will you, will you trust God for what he's done? So now I want to take a couple minutes. Can you all see this? Is it big enough? Okay. I want to give you a chance uh, we've got these four truths on the screen here. I want to ask you to turn someone to someone near you, or you can get up and go somewhere else, or if you're really super introvert, you can just stay where you are and ignore everybody else. That's okay, too, because this is not about a guilt trip. But I want to encourage you to turn to someone else. Um, it can have three people, whatever. It's just, this, we're not legalistic about this. And one at a time, like one of you share these four truths with the person next to you or whoever it is. Um, you can, if you want, you can just read it right off the screen. Okay? Uh, better, if you're ready to do that, is to, to put these truths in your own words. So one of you share the four truths with the other person, and then you switch and you, um, the other person shares. Question on that? Nervous about that? No, great. So let's do that. Let's just take a couple minutes to do that, okay?
Yeah, I don't want to interrupt, um, but we can continue on afterwards. And um, I just want to end. Maybe I shouldn't say end because I'm not done yet. Some I got some stories to tell, but I want to end in a sense with a couple of encouragements for for us. The first is that it's not our job to convert someone. That's God's job. And you can think in terms of a courtroom. I don't know if I've ever been in a courtroom. I was with a friend who had a traffic issue. But uh, yeah, some of you I know you live in courtrooms. Uh, if you haven't, then you know, you've seen things on TV. And basically, my point is, what's the job of a witness? The job of the witness is not to convince the jury. That's the lawyer's job, to convince the jury. The job of the witness is what? It's to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's to share what they know. That's our job. It's not to convince someone necessarily. I mean, we want to convince them. It's not to convert them. Our job is to share what we know, share what God has done in our lives. We know about that. Share what his word says. Share about how great God is and how good he is. Share the truth about him. But the the converting, the convicting, yeah, that's God's job. That's the job of his Holy Spirit. We don't need to take that on. A, oh, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't make the deal. Didn't make it happen. Well, yeah, that's not up to you. If you made it happen, then maybe it wasn't real. Right? So let go of that. The, uh, the second encouragement is that there is a war against you. And maybe that doesn't sound like an encouragement, but it is the truth and it is something for us to be aware of. And that is that there is a spiritual war, whether we're aware of it or not. And so often we're not. I certainly am not. I'm like, oh, I got these problems. These things are happening. Oh, life stinks, blah, blah, blah. Um, Well, there's a war against us. We have an enemy working against us. Uh, Doesn't want you to know what we've just been talking about. Doesn't want you to be able to share with other people. What is important to you doesn't want you sharing the guts of the gospel, doesn't want you pointing to Jesus and to God's plan and how he thinks about these people, how he loves them. He doesn't want you sharing that. So he brings up thoughts of inadequacy. Let's say the scenario that we started with in the doctor's office, in the waiting room, or any kind of scenario. You're on public transportation or you're at a store or you're sitting somewhere, wherever it is, and there is an opportunity to talk about a spiritual thing with your neighbor. You know, you come back from church. Oh, where were you? Oh, we were at church. Oh, and then you go on to something else. Sometimes there is an opening there, but if you're like me, you don't necessarily take that opening. You're like, okay, well, I'm kind of busy. And you go on to something else. Or you have thoughts thoughts that maybe come from you or maybe come from somewhere else, thoughts of inadequacy, like, well, you know what, I don't know enough. Okay, let me just discard that thought. You know enough. Well, I don't know, like, uh, like Pastor Adam knows the Bible. So what? You don't have to. Yeah, God's given him knowledge and ability, and he's had time to study, etc., etc. But you know enough. That's a lie from the enemy that you don't know enough. Or you're not that good of a Christian. Okay. Uh, It's not about us being perfect. That isn't what makes me able to share the gospel with someone else. I mean, yeah, if I'm living a life of total reprobate, 
that doesn't reflect well, maybe, on the message that I share. But for most of us in general, it's not about being perfect. And the enemy will try to discourage you that you're not good enough. No, you are good enough. What does that mean? It's not about being good enough, is it? That's what I was, we were just looking at. We're not good enough. That's, that's why Jesus died. Jesus wouldn't have come and died if we were good enough. And now as Christians, yes, we still do sin. But God makes a way for that. He continue, his grace is enough. He continues to forgive. He continues to work in, on our hearts. He continues to grow us into the image of Jesus Christ. Or maybe um, you've been a Christian for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and you never shared your faith. It's too late. Rubbish. That's just more lies from the enemy. It's not too late to start representing Jesus. It's not too late to share the good news of what God has done in your life and in your heart. Or, or maybe the enemy will bring up fears of rejection, how someone else will see me. Oh, I don't want to look like a Jesus freak. Okay, don't be freaky then, I guess, if you don't. <laughs> and if somebody think if they think you're a Jesus freak, okay. Uh, I've been expect, you know, seen that way that it's okay. Or they'll think I'm a hypocrite. Well, that, that might happen because sometimes they'll, think they'll, they'll expect perfection from us. Okay, don't let that discourage you. Don't let that discourage you from sharing the truth that you know. And let God sort some of these other things out. This, this, we trust, I, I talk about trust, putting our trust in God. Well, it's putting our trust in God to share. Is God going to show up if I open my mouth and share about him? Is he going to convict someone? Is he going to convince someone? Is he going to convert? Well, I don't know. That's not in my hands. It's my hands, in my hands to trust and obey. So um, along those lines of this war, some, some stories from my own life. I, I lived in Chicago for about 20 years. I, I grew up in central Iowa in Boone, and I moved out to Chicago to go to uh, university, and I stayed out there, went to seminary, and did some other things. And one of the things I did, I worked uh, security, part-time security, at a high school. And, um, okay, in, in seminary, I had a class in evangelism. And as a class, like a seminary class, and part of the assignment, you had to have 10 contacts. It seemed kind of artificial. I don't know how else they, you do it. You have to have assignments for a class, and you've got to be able to grade. But you had, ten, you had to have 10 contacts, evangelistic contacts with people. Okay, so for one of those contacts, I talked to this teacher, this uh, older guy in the school, science teacher um, named Ralph. And um, he was Jewish, was not a believer. Um, but I asked him, I said, I've got this class on evangelism. Uh, could I meet with you to share and to ask you questions? He's like, sure, sure. So I met with him, and we're going through these four statements, these four ideas. And the first one, God loves you, created you for relationship with himself. He's like, yeah, okay, all right. The next one, but, you know, man, we, as human beings, we have sinned. We've rebelled against God, and that's separated us from God. He's like, well, I don't know. And then I get to the third one. 
Uh, God sent Jesus Christ his son. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was basically the end of the conversation there. That's as far as I, get, I got. So, you know, felt, felt kind of like a failure in, in that setting. So another situation with another teacher at the school, Paul. He was an English teacher, younger guy. And um, I sat at the front desk, and he would come by and, you know, would chat sometimes. We're getting to know each other, and I'd stop in his classroom and talk. And, and I was inviting him to my church, which was in the town, the city where he lived, Evanston, Illinois. Uh, and um, it looked like he might come, but then it didn't happen, didn't happen. And anyway, he invited me to come down. I went down for dinner. We met at some restaurant, and we're talking. And he asked me some question, I don't remember what it was, but something that opened the door for me to talk about faith. And I blew through that door, and I just kind of, just to use another metaphor, just kind of vomited everything on him, it seemed like, about my faith. Not real sensitive. And he was polite, but that was basically the end of a spiritual conversation with him. Um, I heard from, from someone else teaching about evangelism, they talk about uh, testing a peach to see if it's ripe. So a peach hanging on the tree, and you just kind of give it a gentle tug. You don't yank it off. You just kind of give it a gentle tug, and if it comes off, then it's ripe. And you do that, you can do that with people in terms of questions that you ask. Instead of m me just... <laughs> throwing everything I've got on him, asking questions to see where he's at, or talking a little bit about my faith and, and seeing, you know, does this make sense to you? Or what do you think about that? Asking where he's at, which is a way of loving someone, right? Respecting them. So in this situation with Paul, um, kind of, well, I did feel like I failed afterwards. And looking back on it, no, I don't, think that was necessarily failure. It's not the way that I want to do it, but I just don't know. And I'm looking back on it, I think God was pleased that I took the step and that I was willing and that I wanted to share, even if I didn't do it in a, a, the best way. I think God was pleased. And I, I don't have any idea, really, how, what kind of seeds that God used, that God planted there, and how God is, I mean, I don't have relationship with with Paul, it's been 20 years since I worked there, so I don't know where he's at now and how God might have used that down the line. One last story. Also, while I was in Chicago, I, I served in a couple of Korean churches. Um, I don't speak Korean, just a few words, but, uh, and that gave me relationships, and so I would get in, asked to come fill in as uh, preaching from time to time. And this one church in Chicago, they were without a pastor, and they had me come down. I, I didn't really know anyone in the church, and I, I spoke... I cannot tell you what I preached on. Maybe something from the Sermon on the Mount. I like the Sermon on the Mount. And I must have given some kind of invitation in the sense of, if you'd like to talk more, please, you know, please contact me. Ask me after the service. Anyway, this guy comes up. He was Filipino. He and I were the only non-Koreans in the church. And we were both visitors also. I was visiting speaker. He was visitor there. It was his first only time there. And he said, yeah, I, I would like to like, talk more about what you said. I'm like, oh, what, what did I say? I know something with the Bible and gospel. Anyway, so we sat down and we're talking and everyone else is just kind of ignoring us and they're making noise. So I took him in a, a side room and, 
And we're going through these things. We're going through the, the, the guts of the gospel. And then I said, <clears throat> if this is where you're at, would you like to pray? Would you like to um, enter into a relationship with God? He says, yes, I would. I said, okay, so I'll lead you in prayer. And if what I pray is what you want to express to God, then repeat after me. So, okay. So we close our eyes and we're praying and I'm going through, you know, God, I, I know that I'm a sinner and my sin separates from you and et cetera, et cetera. And as I'm going on and he's repeating after me, I'm having these thoughts, which is a way of saying, I'm thinking, nothing's happening. This isn't going anywhere. You know, I'm saying it, this tone of voice, he's, he's repeating after me, and I'm thinking, what a waste, this is a waste of time. And I finish, amen, and I open my eyes, and there's tears streaming down his, his cheeks. God was working. Even while God is working, the enemy was trying to discourage me while I'm leading him in a prayer. I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything. I don't know what God is up to. God, because I know my preaching wasn't that great, but God had prepared that guy to be at that church. God had prepared me to share whatever message I shared as a visitor, and for that guy to come to me to seek and for us to sit down and for me to share with him, for me to lead him in prayer, God knew what he needed. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I was susceptible to Satan's discouragement, but no. God used that time to take Fernando into his kingdom of light, into relationship with his son. So, final word. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. God loves you very much, and he wants to use you to speak his message to those who need to hear, to those who need relationship with him, which is everyone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, after saying all these words, I, I want to say thank you. Thank you again that this is the kind of God you are I feel in some ways thinking about this message that it's not academic, but talking concepts, but it's concepts about you, about a God of love, about a God of action, about a God of power, about a God who cares about us. Cares about us enough to do whatever it takes, in a sense, Send your son Jesus to die for our sins, to make a way that we could know you. And not only that, you give us the privilege to represent you. You give us the privilege to talk about you and your goodness. Heavenly Father, I pray for, uh, for all of us here who know you, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us get past the discouragements from the enemy, the guilt feelings, the 
inadequacy stuff, the fears of rejection, and all that kind of nonsense that, that we face. We face about this. We face it in different areas. Help us to get past that. Lord, lead us, please. Lead us more and more into a relationship of love with you, into knowledge of you, into experience of you that just overflows our lives in such a way that we want to share. We want to tell others, yeah, this is who God is. This is what he's doing for me. This is what he's done in my life. This is what he's done in history. This is what he's done for you. And Father, if there are those here, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who doesn't have this relationship with you, anybody watching online who isn't there, but they sense that they need you. Lord, would you help them? Help them to ask questions. Help them to find someone who can share with them more and who can pray with them more. Thanks, God. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.